The Web's Michael Smith. It's episode 87 of the Canes cast. And you know what that means? What's that? We're still talking playoff hockey. I love it. I love that we're still talking playoff hockey. It's almost May, too. We'd be, what, usually, what, three weeks into our summer vacation by now? That has been the familiar pattern. We'd probably actually be in Charlotte for playoffs, Calder Cup playoffs. The Charlotte Checkers, by the way, uh, advancing to the second round after beating the Providence Bruins in the first round, now facing off with the Hershey Bears in round two, which begins this weekend. A chance for the Hurricanes organization to beat the Capitals organization twice in the same postseason. Did you hear that, Ed? Bears. Bears. <laughs> Bears. Uh, it's been a, a remarkable run, and as we record this on a Monday, the Carolina Hurricanes have a 2-0 series lead over the New York Islanders in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Uh, we've got a lot of listener questions we're going to get to. Uh, we can knock out about 93% of the questions by giving an injury update right now because Rod Brindamore had just addressed the media. Michael Smith, you are by far a better reporter when it comes to typing and getting the information out than yours truly. Wow. So let's run everybody down on the updates for what happened. We'll start with the goaltender, Peter Morazic, who suffered a lower body injury. Nothing on the specifics, but Rod Brindamore said he's day-to-day, which means he is not completely ruled out for the rest of this series against the New York Islanders. But we will talk about the injury first, and then the luxury of having Curtis McElhaney step in and kick aside all of the shots that were not kicked into the net and then were ruled not a goal to give the Canes a 2-1 win on Sunday. Yeah, the day-to-day lower body injury for Mrazek Brennamore saying today, that's actually good news there. Uh, so it sounds like that injury isn't going to be anything too serious, uh, but the Hurricanes might have to make a recall there uh, at the goalie position, at least for game three on Wednesday, uh, and then you sort of just take it from there and, and see how Peter Mrazek is feeling. But yeah, in the second period last night, he pushed across the crease um, to try to get to a shot. Didn't really come up uh, all too well. Uh, and Curtis McElhaney, who at Barkley Center, there's no room on the visiting bench uh, for the goaltender to sit. So he's stowed away in the tunnel from right behind uh, the net there in that one end of the ice. Mrazic said the other end, uh, Curtis McElhaney sees that, you know, something isn't quite right. He's sort of shaking the leg. And McElhaney says, look, you know, it's it's just a matter of grabbing my helmet and going. And here's a guy who hasn't played a game in... Uh, what, about three weeks or so? And he's tossed into game two, round two of the yep. Stanley Cup playoffs. 22 days was the last time he played a game. There you go. And he has to be very sharp, and he was very sharp. Stopped all 17 shots uh, that hit him. There were a couple that got behind him that found uh, either the goalpost or the crossbar. There was one, as you mentioned, that was uh, a weird play because I think uh, the Islanders player was just trying to kick it into the slot, but he ended up kicking it. And then it bounced in off off McElhaney and into the net. Good break for the Hurricanes, but the right call because that is indeed the rule. Um, and he was he was sharp. That's exactly the guy that you want to be able to call on when your starter goes down in the playoffs to have a veteran backup like Curtis McElhaney ready to go. That's an incredible luxury for the Hurricanes, and that's why they're not panicking now. Yeah without their starting goaltender, who's going to at least miss a couple of days here, day-to-day, as Rod Brindamore was saying on Monday. Yeah, but as Michael Smith just highlighted, to have the luxury of, of Curtis McElhaney, and 
if there is a guy in this league who is suited to sit out for 22 days without playing a game and then come in and seem like he's played every game since then, it's Curtis McElhaney. His mindset, uh, how he brings it every single day to practice. By the way, when the Canes don't have a practice, the extras or the injured players have been going and skating, and Curtis McElhaney's been going with them. So he's been seeing shots, not a ton of them, and not in a, a true practice setting, but he's kept himself sharp. And you, you hear it from Rod Brindamore all the time. How much does he say, Michael, when we bring up the goaltenders and then Curtis McElhaney? The words, the first words usually that come out of his mouth is, well, he's a pro. Mm-hmm. And that's what Curtis McElhaney is. He knows how to take care of himself. He knows how to steal himself for these situations because he's been in all of them. And, again, on the other side, Peter Mrazek has been outstanding these playoffs. And I know numbers people will want to say numbers things. And for me, it was big saves at the right time. We've already covered that in the Canes cast numerous times this year. But there's the luxury of he doesn't have to feel like he needs to run back to the net because, oh, I think it feels okay today and do further damage uh, to whatever he is going through right now. So the Canes have that luxury. Uh, the next luxury is Hayden Fleury has playoff experience, and he's going to have to come in the lineup because, as Rod Brindamore told us, Trevor Van Riemsdyk is out, at least for Game 3, and he's going to be evaluated by the doctors today. That did not look like a good injury. Uh, we could only speculate. I don't want to do that. But the Canes at least can turn to Hayden Fleury. And, again, the luxury for Dean Chenault is Hayden Fleury has pretty much been partnered up with Dougie Hamilton in the past, and he's had Calvin DeHaan play with him in the past. He's had at least familiarity with who's going to be out there, and the Canes know what they're getting out of him, but that did not look good. Uh, for me, the, the hit was on the line. It was I don't think it was dirty, but it was a playoff hockey hit, and it's from a guy, Cal Clutterbuck, who hits hard. And it's unfortunate that it happened so early, but that's the update on Trevor Van Riemsdyk right now as it stands for the injury front. Um, I don't want to guess about anything, but if people want to know, remember, they don't tell us anything. We don't know anything like when it comes to inside information on injuries. But if people are going to tune in and listen to this and we appreciate it, my best guess is I would be surprised if we see him back in this series. It'd be great, but I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if we saw him back in the playoffs, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just I'm just trying to go with Brendan best Moore case scenario. Last night uh, after game two that he's definitely not coming back anytime soon. Yeah. It sounded like the update Todd Reardon gave on TJ Oshie yes. in last series where he basically said the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's the exact same injury. We don't know that just yet, but I don't think we'll be seeing Trevor Van Riemsdyk anytime soon, which is – Unfortunate for the Hurricanes because he has been good uh, in this postseason as uh, that 5-6 defenseman paired with uh, sometimes Hayden Fleury uh, early on when Calvin yep. DeHaan was out. Uh, most recently, Dougie Hamilton as yep. the Hurricanes have shuffled their defensive pairs. Um, so that's a big loss for the Hurricanes. But as you said, Hayden Fleury has already postseason experience yep. because Calvin DeHaan was missing early. That's a benefit there. They have a body ready to go, and, and Fleury's more than capable of stepping in and playing with a guy like Dougie Hamilton. So um, unfortunate news for the Hurricanes, especially with um, their blue line being yeah. uh, such a strength of this team. Saku Manalainen uh, also left Game 2, uh, and he is not going to play in this round, it doesn't sound like, per yeah. what Rod Brindamore was saying today. Rod Brindamore basically said he's out for this round. Yeah, so perhaps uh, a return in, in round three should the Hurricanes advance yep. to the Eastern Conference final. But Saku Menelainen will be out. The good news uh, out of all of this is 
the three players who were previously injured, so uh, Jordan Martinuk, Andrei Svechnikov, and Michael Furlan, are all very close to returning. Yes. We could see Jordan Martinuk on Wednesday. We could see Andrei Svechnikov on Wednesday. Michael Furlan, it's tougher to gauge where he's at just because we haven't been around him yes. in the last few days. And he did put out a tweet the other day saying that he is staying back in Raleigh rehabbing his injury. So that tells me it's something that needs to be worked on. And when you're on the road, you can't really rehab certain injuries. You just can't, depending on what they are. And I'm not going to be a doctor here, but we know that Andrei Svechnikov has a concussion. So as long as he's cleared to travel, him being around the team and getting those those treatments, that's fine. I mean, because I don't know if you want to leave a guy with a concussion uh, alone to just, you know, well, what's he going to do? He's just going to sit in a room. No, you got you, you have certain trainers and doctors who want to monitor that. The Canes have doctors who stay behind who monitor and help rehab other injuries. That's what you see with Jordan Martinuk. Jordan Martinuk is trying to talk himself into the lineup every day. He's trying to talk to Rod Brindamore. I can play. I can play. Uh, and that's why he's been traveling with the team. But Michael Furlan's injury is one, again, <clears throat> we've got a better chance of getting the the codes to Fort Knox, where the gold is kept, then finding out how how seriously injured a player is and what exactly the injury is. I'm actually close to getting those. The I've Fort, got a lead. The Fort Knox or the injuries? Uh, the Fort Knox. Okay. The gold. I'm, I know that people who tune into this want the injuries, but <laughs> I, I'm with you on the gold. We'll, we'll talk after the podcast. Right. <laughs> I know a guy. We can get a van. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, so it's gonna, it, it should be um, – it, it's timing – timing's never right for injuries, but the Hurricanes have this uh, luxury where I think as these guys are getting injured, they're having other guys get healthy again, or healthy enough at least, to get back into the lineup. And as we record this, the Hurricanes with that 2-0 series lead in the Eastern Conference semifinals over the New York Islanders, who the Islanders just blitzed right through the Pittsburgh Penguins in four games to get here. Two days off between games two and game Three. So I know I games pluralized two. games two. Game two <laughs> yeah. to games three. Games of Thrones is now in my mind as well. Uh, is that not it? Is that not what people are talking about? I think it is, but I don't watch the show. Neither do, you? do I. No. Are we the only two who don't watch it? Who, it seems like that. Who I believe who do a podcast. Because every podcast that I listen to, right. one person watches it, the other one doesn't. And then the person who watches it shames the one who doesn't, mm. or the one who doesn't is like, why should I watch this Well, thing? now it's twice in a row that we've referenced Two podcasts in a row that we've referenced Game of Thrones. Maybe we should watch it. Well, I mean, we know about it. I have tuned in. It's not like I am not completely is ignorant it, to is it. Is it the last season? Yes. Okay. I know that because it's been a big right. deal. And, but it, it's fascinating to me, and we'll get back to Hurricane Hockey in just a second. It's fascinating to me how it's captured such a wide audience and it's become appointment viewing. I honestly, I was trying to think earlier today, what since lost has there been on television that's been such a social event because there are people like gathering at restaurants and bars to watch game of thrones at least what i've seen on the internet and everything you see on the internet is true so carolina hurricanes playoff hockey there you go and we're back thank you (laughs) that's what it is that's the only one i can come up with so uh, i have never gone to a bar to watch a tv show just so you know i and nor will i I would think it's kind of foolish. I don't plan on that. Yeah. I like my couch. Correct. And my TV. Yeah. 
So there it is. But, yes, back to the playoffs and back to where the Carolina Hurricanes are. And, again, that luxury with the two days off, yeah, it buys a little bit more time for those injured players. So while you've got a new group of players who are hurt, maybe this time allows the guys who have been injured longer to get back into the game. It buys some time, and it also opens up the chance for a practice. Yes. Which the Hurricanes have not had one in what feels like a month. And, but there's been no need. There's been no need for the team to practice because they've certainly uh, done well for themselves yeah. just waking up, doing whatever they need to do at the hotel, going to the rink, playing, and, and getting on with it. Well, rest, I think, is as important yes. as anything you can do in a practice this time of year. Now, practice is just to keep you in the rhythm, I mm-hmm. think, in the postseason. But, you know, because, rest- as Brendan Moore said, there's, at this point in the season, what are you going to do in a practice other than get a sweat in and maybe brush up on one or two things? Like Everything the team needs to know system-wise yes. is there. And so it's a matter of just uh, fine-tuning maybe something that they've, they've noticed on film or – uh, adjusting a, a power play setup. Yeah, here exactly. Like, it, it's it's fine tuning yeah. or tweaking something. But or through two games, if you've noticed something that the Islanders do, maybe there's something that you're going to implement that can attack them or take something away from them. Perhaps most importantly, it's going to provide the chance for Andrei Svechnikov on Tuesday to really get some contact in. Yes. and see how he feels because he's been skating. And he's been getting some contact from head coach Rod Brendamore or a teammate skating. But there's not been a full contact practice for him to really get engaged and then gauge how he feels afterwards. And until he feels comfortable after a full contact practice like that, the Hurricanes aren't going to put him in the lineup. He needs to feel comfortable with himself, with the way he feels, until he gets back in. So Tuesday's practice is going to be big in that Svechnikov can get that that. Uh, contact in and then assess how he feels afterwards. And for a guy like Jordan Martinuk, who again, uh, you know, testing out that lower body and seeing how he feels a chance for him just to get more comfortable in whatever he's doing to, you know, gut out that lower body injury. So that'll be the benefit of a practice in between game in between games two and three for the hurricanes to maybe get some of these injured guys back in the lineup. There you go. I almost did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my world of pluralizing everything. Yeah. I've been talking a lot lately, so there's yes. a good chance that I might be stumbling over words in my off days. Well, so you got to call games one and two. Yes, I did. In Barclays Center. Game one, an overtime winner. Uh, as Trip Tracy, my analyst, pointed out, and I know where we're going to go with this, but we'll save that for a lot of questions that are coming in from the folks who are out there. But as Trip Tracy pointed out, it was my first win as a broadcaster uh, calling a National Hockey League game because I'd called two games in the Washington series, and it did not go well. I called one game in the Washington series, and I called a game March 26th, yep. and those did not go Neither went well. my way. No. The Fortunius wheel did not roll my way with those games. No. But – the first win I call is an overtime playoff win, and Trip is trying to get every sports bureau on planet Earth to find out if they keep records on broadcasters if their <laughs> first win is an overtime playoff win. And then game two, where you know the Hurricanes, Rod Brindamore said it, he didn't like his team's game. Barry Trotz said something, and I don't want people to get fired up if you're a Canes fan when 
Barry Trotz said they had 48 seconds of great hockey. He's right. <laughs> he he's right. really was. I mean, I think what he's trying to say there is it's not like the Hurricanes dominated game yes. two. They just had a really fortunate 48 seconds. And for the Islanders, an unfortunate 48 seconds. But if we want to be real. We're going to be real? Can I be real? Be real, real. The Islanders haven't scored a goal in this series. Not really, no. Because Matt Barzal's power play goal, he's trying to throw the puck across the crease to Josh Bailey in game two, and it hits Jacob Slavin's stick, takes a weird hop, and goes into the net. And Jacob Slavin there is doing everything. The right thing. Correctly, yeah. Yeah, he, he does the right thing. It's just a, a unfortunate event for the Hurricanes. But, you know, this Hurricanes team, people keep asking, I don't know if you get this too, how are they doing it? And my answer is how they've done it all year long. It's the group, and they never quit, and they keep coming after you. And as the games go on, they get better. And that goes to their conditioning. That goes to everything that they've done in the regular season to this point. That's, that's a huge credit to Rod Brindamore, knowing when to push, knowing when to back off, and the assistant coaches, Jeff Daniels and Dean Chenalf, and, yes, our good friend Bill Berniston, the strength and conditioning coach of this team, keeping them, when they're not on the ice, keeping them set with off-ice routines where they're working out, keeping the heart rate going, you know, monitoring those things. Dougie Bennett, the trainer for the Carolina Hurricanes, who makes sure that these guys are fresh, and they all collaborate on these things, and it's been amazing to watch. But there's also something about this series. The New York Islanders don't blow teams away. Hmm. They don't come on the ice, and they don't win games 5 nothing because they're not an attack team. They're a defensive-minded team. They are frustrating as all get out to play against. Hence, the Canes only had three shots on goal at the end of the first period. And then, what, 13? I think it was through, 12. Through 40? Yeah. yeah, 12 through 40. And then 40. ended the game with 18, I believe. But that's they take that away from you. The Islanders are so good in the middle of the ice, but the Carolina Hurricanes have been better yeah. in the middle of the ice. But the Islanders are the counterpunch team. They build the lead. They get up a goal. And then they wait for you to make mistakes. And that's how they beat teams. When you'll see scores like, oh, well, I've seen the Islanders win 4 nothing." They don't keep attacking you. They lay in wait and wait for you because you got to press. Then you're going to do something careless. You're going to make a stretch pass in the middle of the ice. Or you're going to go cross ice. And they pick it off and go the other way. And they had, in game two, I think at least six odd man opportunities. Didn't necessarily mean that they got a shot on goal or even a great A scoring chance, but the opportunity of a two on one or a three on two presented itself because they waited for the Canes to make a mistake and they do take advantage and turn them into scoring opportunities or chances. They're, and they're just skilled enough to be able to do that too, to take advantage yes. of the other team's mistakes and then make them pay for them. And in game one, you saw a few mental miscues that resulted in, in turnovers that led to odd man rushes the other way. Uh, game two, uh, Williams had a turnover there in his own zone um, uh, that led to a, basically a clear shot at the net for the Islanders, and, and Peter Mrazek came up big. So it's these... Um, the goalies have been good for the Hurricanes, bailing them out when they need to. But the Islanders are, are that sort of team that, like you said, get that lead like they got in game two, got that one nothing lead, and then just sort of tried to suffocate the Hurricanes. Yep. And all the Hurricanes could really do, really all they've done all year is just stick with what they were doing and believe. Believe that what their game plan was was going to succeed. And that's been... That's been one of the biggest reasons for success is just the belief yep. that no matter what, 
the team's going to get it done and get the results in the end. Because even when the team was 10 points out of a playoff spot at the beginning of the calendar year, they just believed that if they kept doing what they had been doing for the first 40 games, that things were going to turn around, and they did. And that belief is just extended right into the playoffs where even when they're down to nothing in the series to the capitals or they lose game five six to nothing and they're down three two in the series they just believe that they're just going to play their game get it done and move on and that's exactly what the team has been able to do through nine games in the postseason Uh, by the way can i use this as a moment as we look back on games one and two in brooklyn of the eastern conference semifinals where the carolina hurricanes have a two games to none lead how silly are the people who thought Jordan Stahl coming back to this team would hurt them? Well, I think to be fair, even we were talking to Rod Brindamore and Justin Williams over the weekend, yep. they said, look, even Jordan Stahl himself had certain doubts about coming back into the lineup. And Williams said, you know, when you're out and you see the team doing well, you allow those thoughts to creep yep. into your mind like, oh, if I come back, maybe I mess things up. But both Brenda Moore and Williams said, then look. Almost laughed it off. Right. They said, just look at what we're doing now and imagine then what we're going to be able to do when you come back into the lineup. And that's exactly what's happened. Stahl went on an incredible run down the stretch of the season, yes. almost a point-per-game player. I think he had 17 and 21 or 22, 17 points in his last 21 or 22 games. He's been a monster in the playoffs. He's built – you know, for yes. the playoffs. Um, Ask Matt even, Barzell that right now. Right. And even when he's not contributing on the score sheet, which he has a couple game-winning goals. Uh, a huge game-winning goal yes. in overtime. That yeah. put me through the, the change. I'm a man now. <laughs> Welcome to it. Thanks, world. And a game-winning goal here in game six of the first round yep. to uh, really spearhead the Hurricanes forward, force a game seven, and, of course, his big game-tying goal. Uh, in Washington, very similar to the game tying goal that Warren Fogle scored uh, in Game Two. I was going to say, and I and, don't know if you saw it. The yep. it was an Instagram post, almost identical to the game winning goal that his brother scored in New Jersey. Yep. Eric in two thousand nine, almost identical. Mm-hmm. The shot, the placement, the everything, unbelievable. Same Beating with, a Vesna Trophy goalie. Yeah, it's amazing. Both wearing red jerseys. Exactly. The goaltenders. Amazing. Uh, very similar to Warren Fogel's yeah. goal, too. Just down the wing from the right circle, quick snapshot over the uh, right shoulder of the goaltender. Great pass by Lucas Walmark, yes. too. Uh, I, I don't know if you asked Lucas Walmark about the pass or not. I got I didn't to talk to him. I, I got the chance to talk to him. Believe it or not, it's with the 31 things that I'm doing in this series. I got back into the, the locker room in the hallway, and Lucas Walmark was walking back, and I just told him, hey, that's a great pass. Were you thinking that all the way? And he goes, I noticed that their defenseman moved up, so they had a winger playing defense, and he was out of out of position. So the second I got the puck, I peeked, and I saw Warren, and I knew I could get the pass to him. But he angles it off the boards and gets it to Fogel, who bursts in in 17 seconds into the third period where the Hurricanes have already been without Trevor Van Riemsdyk for pretty much the – entirety of the the game to that point the entire second period the majority of the first Peter Morazic's out now 17 seconds in Warren Fogle scores a goal we're tied at one and then 
what, 48 seconds later. 48 seconds later. Nino Niederreiter gets to the front of the net and deflects a, a Tavo Teravainen shot, and it's 2-1. to one. And now the Hurricanes have stunned the Islanders. And I, that, to me, is the key in this one. We keep talking about, you know, first goal in a series is important. First goal in a series is important. Against the Islanders, you've got to crack them. You've got to make them come out of what they do. Right. And the only way to do that is get on the board first or get a lead. It's hard to chase the game in the NHL. It's harder to chase the game in the playoffs. I think it's even harder for a team like the New York Islanders to chase the game because, as we've talked about, they're just not they're not really built to, to come from behind. I mean, I don't have the stats to, to prove that, you know, look at their yeah. record after the other team scores first or trailing after two or whatever, but – they're just they're not the type of team that's that's built or skilled enough yeah. you know to be able to come back like the Washington Capitals are obviously skilled enough to be if they're down they can erase that in in no time with with a couple of quick goals uh but the Islanders are a team that that has to work for their chances a lot like the Hurricanes yes. in, in yep. that in that sense um so it's it's harder for them to to really come back and you know, bang bang make a whole game out of it oh Everybody banks. There, that's I've seen that <laughs> on T-shirts right now. Uh, that could also be a, a good time for. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. I yeah. don't. I don't. I don't have anything. We've had, we've had nine playoff games. Well, <clears throat> I can think of something. Maybe. Right, no, right. Probably not all though. Right. It's uh, I'm very on brand. No, if I, nothing I know. else. Wow, your lights just magically turned on. I didn't turn them on. They turned power on. My my office, full discretion. My office is in a wing of the building. I have oh. yes, <laughs> uh, I have the best view in PNC Arena of all the offices. My office looks out mm-hmm. onto the ice, and it's great. The only problem is I can't control power down here. The building does, and because I'm the only person over here, uh, the only lights I can turn on are these three little lights that are over by my desk. So you're at the whim of whoever's controlling the power. Yes, and. Right now, that person has decided that the power needs to be on. That's right. So the lights are on, and uh, we push forward. So we're no longer in the dark, and that also allows me to throw this one at you. Okay. And we also have one that Ooh. you could steal, but I'm not going to. I'm going to read it because that's just cheating on your part right oh, now. Oh, I can't steal? Well, you can if you want to. <laughs> it's uh, Sam for Canes. He used the hashtag CanesCast. So okay. You can, you I'll can find it. That. No, no, you will. If not, I'll get it uh, quickly, but... Here it goes. Just going to throw that out there for the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, the next call-up for the Carolina Hurricanes from Charlotte will have a huge hand in winning game number three at PNC Arena on Wednesday night, meaning they score a goal, they get a big assist, they do something because we're going to see somebody get called up from Charlotte and have to be inserted in this lineup. And by the way, well, before you answer that, the checkers line, because that's what it is with Patrick Brown, Greg McKegg, and Clark Bishop, were outstanding in Game 2 for the Hurricanes. They, they were outstanding. They're that group that's not going to show up on the score sheet, but they were outstanding in that game. <clears throat> this is cheating because I actually know who the call-up is going to be because oh. it's happening as we speak. Oh, well now. <laughs> Well, so, go ahead. Go ahead and announce it. Well, Alex Nedeljkovic has been recalled by the Carolina Hurricanes as a goalie. So, uh, no, he he probably will not have a hand in scoring a goal. Or so they're not. Gonna, mean, <laughs> there's nobody else that they're calling up. No, not right. Not currently. Uh, 
just Alex Nedeljkovic coming up, uh, Peter Mrazek day-to-day. The Hurricanes might not have to recall a skater with Hayden Fleury being able to draw in on defense and Jordan Martinuk, Andrei Svechnikov, Michael Furlan, all of those uh, a possibility to draw in up front. So, so you're going to send it back? I'm sending it back. Well, look at that. Only because I have inside knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you do know something and they do tell you yeah. things. Only because All these years now. It's only hitting the internet now. You're betraying the motto of this fine podcast. Yeah. All right. I was... That's fine. Yeah. Send it back. <laughs> Sending it back. All right. Works Works for me. And, I mean, you know, maybe he has an impact. Hopefully for... He does score goals. He does score goals. And he got a win in Vancouver yeah. in his NHL debut. Hopefully for the Hurricanes' right. sake, they don't have any more injuries. No, I know. But... Uh, Did you find Sam's tweet? Nope. Sure All didn't. Right. Uh, on behest of Michael Smith, the Hurricanes take the Islanders in four. Ooh. Uh, I really want to take it knowing what home ice yeah. was for the Hurricanes in the first round. I just feel like there's there's a hunger from the Islanders that we haven't seen just yet, a desperation level that they're going to have to play at, yep. either in game three or game four. Uh I think it's – I'll say five. I think it's going to get pushed to five. I'm going to take it. Okay. I don't think the Islanders can win in this building. It's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. I just think with how well coached that team is – They are. That I think they'll – you know, whether it's a greasy overtime winner, yep. that something like that's going to force a game five. It's just what I've seen in this building in the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's been it's, – It's special right now. It's been unreal. And, you know – I, I think in my heart of hearts, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think the Islanders, just because of, they're a good team, they should get a game. But I'm going with the building, and I'm going with what I saw this building do to the Washington Capitals. I got one along the same lines. Oh, all right. Uh, Barclays is not as much home ice advantage as Nassau. You know, the funny thing about that, during the regular season, the Islanders had 12 wins at Barclays. And 12 wins in Nassau. Yep. So, and they sp- split time. They played yeah. half. It's yeah. it's not like Barclays is some unfamiliar territory. Yeah. But for the playoffs, I'll take that. Yeah. I think Nassau is a much more intimidating place. And to here's play. the thing. It's not a discredit to Islanders fans because they're no. doing as much as they can to make some noise. Ooh. But it, the, the difference in the buildings, you know, from Nassau, this small – Older building with a low roof. Yes. Similar to PNC Arena in that the roof is low, so it contains that noise, whereas Barclays has that sort arch of like roof. Yeah, sweeping arch roof, and it's not even suited for hockey in any way, no, it's shape, basketball. or form. It's, it's a, it's, I've never seen a basketball game there, but everybody who I know who covers the ACC tournament, Michael Smith, says that it's great for basketball. It's one of the best places to go watch basketball, and that I can believe, but it's not set up for hockey. Yeah. And trust me, for my broadcast position, it's not. No. I am on the Canes goal line. It's tough to say, you know, what effect, or even if this series would be any different had they played the first two games at Nassau, it's impossible to say. But I do believe they did lose a little home ice advantage, and they tried to play it up before the series. Like, it wasn't going to be a big deal. And even after game one, they said, you know, fans were good, fans were loud. And they were. I thought they were. They were loud. I thought they were loud. But it's just, it's a different building, uh, and it just doesn't have 
to me, in the games that we – because we saw one at Barclays and one at Nassau in yeah. the regular season, and that game at Nassau was just the atmosphere for a regular season game was unreal. But, mind you, Hurricanes won that game. Yeah, they did. So, I mean, it was the Hurricanes lost game. It, the Hurricanes lost at Barclays. Yep. And they won in Nassau. So, I mean, take that – again, take that for what it's worth. But uh, I'll, I'll take that question and I'll keep it because, yeah, I just think in the playoffs, that's Fort never lose. That, that place is a little intimidating, and you know, I'm not saying the Canes caught a break because we'll never know. Yeah, but never know. I, I do know when it comes to being loud, the Islander fans tried. Yeah, we're not pandering. They no. tried. I mean, they tried. They made noise. They made some noise. Yeah, but it just NASA. I was in the crowd. I don't know. You were up in the press box for that. Yeah, but I mean, um, the press box is essentially in the crowd but just because of how that building is. I know, but I'm I'm I was right there on the glass, and wow, I'm like. Eh. This place is, yeah. This place is two and eleven. Yep. All right. So there you go. Those are done. You want to get to the uh, yeah questions we've, via we've the old got Twitter. A ton of questions to get into. Thanks for everyone who sent some in today. Glad to be talking to you on our usual Monday yes. recording of Kane's Cast. Same here. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that little quick episode we put out last week from New York. Yes. Uh, episode eighty six, Turbo Time. This for for me on Kane's Cast. Okay. What went through your mind when Trip Tracy said, consume me, to you after that awesome game-winning goal call really in game that? one? Oh, you haven't heard it? Well, I heard your, I heard your call. I didn't oh, I'll, hear I'll what play the full call afterwards. for you. Trip said uh, in one of our hits for Fox Sports and, uh, you know, <laughs> the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, FSCR, you know, Canes, which is, you know, Fox Sports Carolina's, the Twitter presence for We Do Hits, uh, in the game, in the intermission. So I've been running up and down stairs nonstop. Yeah, Tripp said that he'd give me a hug for the first win, and so it happens, and I turn, and he says that, and what went through my mind, I'm going to be honest with you, fear. Yeah. Fear. <laughs> I am somebody who rarely gets afraid of things. Fear. 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 <laughs> that's, the, that's the answer to that. Uh, this one for you, Michael Smith, that Ooh. you can answer. Okay. How does the emergency goalie work? Does each team carry one? Or is it just one in the building? That is from Matt Wisniewski. Now, I can tell you it's the George Alves rule from a couple of years ago when George Alves got signed on New Year's Eve when the Hurricanes were down in Tampa. Now, every building provides an emergency goaltender. And it's usually somebody who was a college goalie, you know, or a a local goalie for a club team or something like that. Uh, And that is provided in the building for both teams, that there's a guy who is sitting there waiting to go onto the ice. Uh, For the Carolina Hurricanes, they would have been turning to, and I want to make sure I get his name 100% right. And this would have been the same for the Islanders had uh, Robin Leonard or Thomas Grice gone down. Todd Scarola. Todd, you're up. He was a 2016 grad of Stony Brook and a construction worker, but it's provided by the... By the arena. So with Alex Nedeljkovic being called up for the Carolina Hurricanes, he'll back up Curtis McElhaney, but there will be somebody else in this building as an emergency goalie to be a backup if something else were to happen. That's correct. All right. So we answer that one correctly. Good times. Ready for this one? Yeah, I've got one. Oh, go for it. Look, we've got a, uh, we got a lot. Oh, we've got a ton. Through, yeah, so get to it. We'll start with the top here from uh, John Testino. 
How does the team respond to the Islanders claiming that they are just getting lucky bounces? Laner Islanders and NBC have done everything but give the Canes credit. Frustrating to watch from a fan's perspective. We see that the Canes work for their breaks. I agree. The Hurricanes work for their breaks. I, I, I don't think there's, you know, like we were talking about earlier with Trotz, I don't, it, 48 seconds of good eye, he's not inaccurate in any sense, but uh I do agree that the Hurricanes work for their bounces, and the bounces are the result of that hard work. Uh, you saw the bounces in the first half of the yeah. season. The Hurricanes got none of them, yep. approximately 0%. And so it, it, it all evens out. 0.1% you know? okay, the that's, bounce here or there. That's fine. Thank you. Uh, you might see the Islanders get some breaks in games three and four. That's just how the game goes yeah. sometimes. Uh, and. Look, the Islanders are going to say that because they're going to feel like they should have won games one and two. What are they supposed to say? And we got outplayed and we didn't deserve to win. You know, And if the Hurricanes were down 2-0 in the series or 0-2 in the series, they might be saying the same things. Oh, the yeah. bounces just didn't go our way. Yeah, and, and I can't speak to what anybody else is saying, but I, I, I'm going to say this right now, Michael, and I don't want to get on any kind of soapbox here. Don't let it bother you. Just don't. Just you're you're watching the game. You're cheering your team. Like I, I've, my dad used to get upset. Like oh, you know these guys hate my team. Like no, they don't. They don't. But it's just the way that the broadcast will work itself out. And it, nobody's biased against your team nationally. Nobody. And that that's just one of those things where if if you believe that you believe that. I'm not going to try to talk you out of it. But they're not. They're not. It's just. It, it's it's how you hear it. It's like anything. People hear what you want to hear, and you know the Canes make their breaks. The Canes get their breaks. The Canes have deserved to be up two to one in this series because they have outlasted the New York Islanders. And when their opportunities, uh, lucky or not, but the Islanders got the lucky bounce on their goal, as Michael Smith and I told you about that on the Barzal goal in game number two on the power play. But it's I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, but people say that all the time to me. These these guys are biased. These guys are this. They're not. They're not. I talked to them before the game, and they're not sitting there. I have talked to Eddie Olchek and Pierre Maguire and, of course, Brian Boucher, who played mm-hmm. for the Carolina Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've had a chance to talk to those guys, and I, I'm pretty sure we know that John Forslund isn't. Uh, so to that end, I talked to them, and they're like, man, this is a good team. This is a good run. That's a good player. They're not sitting there going, hey, uh, you guys are lucky to be here, and uh, what's that like? No, they're asking about players. So. Right. Drew Larmore. <sighs> was that was that wrong for me to say that the way that I did? I mean, you're on this, this no, podcast I, with me. That's fine. Do you, I don't watch the broadcast, so I have no idea. I mean, we're working during yeah. it. but you know, I don't know what's said. I don't go right. back and watch you, the broadcasts. You're a Carolina Panthers fan. I am. Do you ever sit there and go, the national guys are biased against the Panthers during a game? No. I I mean, not really. Like, I, when your team is losing or, I mean, they're not going to sit there and just devote the coverage. They try to do it balanced, and you know what? You'll, you're never going to do a 50-50 I think, broadcast well, and I think, to the people who are listening. I think what where some national guys might struggle is just the familiarity with yes. the group. So. When Curtis McElhaney comes into the game, they think, oh, here's a backup goaltender who has to play the unlikely role of yeah, hero. Career, career backup goaltender who's – what's he going to give to but his team? If you know, if they had paid attention to the last 
really the whole season, yes. they'd know that he was really kind of a, a 1B, if yeah. you will, to, oh, yeah. to Peter Mrazek. So I, I think that's probably the biggest hurdle for some of the national guys is just unfamiliarity with the team that, that's playing. All right, moving on. Drew Larmore, in your opinion, is the Game 3 or Game 4 rally towel rally towel better for this round? I haven't seen them. Oh, just you wait. Game three rally towel has the familiar bunch of jerks tagline. Yep. And the team doing their clap. Yep. In front of the fans. And then the game four rally towel says loudest house in the NHL with a picture of Ooh. said house. <sighs> I You can't go wrong with either. I'm going to go with game three just because of how this season's gone. That's if i cool. got to pick one. It's cool. This is more th- – that towel is more focused on this year, this team, where the loudest house in the NHL, we know that that's the case when the playoffs are here in Raleigh. Yeah. So, Can't go wrong with either of them. Nope. I'm with that. I got one for you. Okay. Uh, this one from Aiden Calhoun. Ooh. Which playoff format do you like the most? Mm. The current one or the previous format, one versus eight? The current one, I think, lends the opportunity for a rivalry to be built. I agree. So I like rivalries. I think that's fun for hockey. The more fair system is one through eight. But you could even argue the more fair system would be one through sixteen. But that I I, I know that completely complicates things and sort of defeats the whole east versus west thing. So I get it. You know, and it's it's funny because. Let me ask you, this could be a different branch of a question. All year, everybody kept saying, oh, the West is this, the West isn't good, the West isn't that. Could it just be that the West is more balanced and that why? that's why? I cannot say S's today. I'm putting them where I shouldn't and I'm <laughs> excluding them when I need to. But that's why there were fewer points in the West because those teams were tougher to play against and it was harder to get points. And in the East, because you, when you're in the East, you play against the East more, you could get more points. Playing against the Eastern Conference, like that's that's the thing. So when people say, "Oh, it should be one through sixteen or one through," that, no, it's conference versus conference. One through eight, one yeah. through eight, just go from there. I think the problem in you're going to run into complaints with any playoff format. Yeah, I don't mind the current playoff format, honestly. I think it's, I like you said, it, it breeds rivalries. Yes. So c- because you have this divisional setup, the opportunity for Washington and Carolina, a matchup that had never happened in the postseason before this year, now you have the opportunity to maybe see that for years and years to come. Yep. I don't mind it. I, I don't mind it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I. The only weird thing, I guess, if you want to call it weird, is that Columbus is playing in the Atlantic Division, you know, as a wild card. But, but it's a bracket. You, it, right. Everybody here loves the NCAA tournament. Look at it as an NCAA tournament bracket. And that was the thing with the one through eight is you yeah. could never do a proper bracket yes. because the teams were reseeded. So, but, I mean, part of me likes the fair thing to do is one through eight and reseed. That's the fair thing to do. But I like this because you can't tell me that the games next year against the Washington Capitals are going to be calm, cool, and collected. They're and you going can't, to be amazing regular season games. And you can't say that these playoff games have, have disappointed either. No, they haven't. Or they've the been, series. They've been amazing. And by the way, if it's supposed to be 1 through 8, tell that to seeds 1, 2, 3, and 4. And when I say that, or the four number one seeds, however you want to phrase it, they gone. They gone. So I'm good. I'm good with this format right now. But I also grew up with the old format, Michael, and I don't think that uh, you were a fan at this time because I think it was long gone by the time you got into 
hockey where when it was the old four divisions, you know, the Adams, the Patrick, the Norris, and the Smythe, right. it was one through four in the divisions played each other. And that's where really a lot of complaints would come in because somebody from a division would be like, we had more points than this fourth place team. They were garbage. How'd they get in? But what it did was it bred these rivalries amongst the divisional opponents yeah. who you saw a lot. And so, it was good. So it's uh, the format now is almost that, that. but tweaked to not it, run into it, those issues. It tried to it tried to compromise one through eight while still having the let's do the rivalries of the division playing each Which, other in the postseason. I mean, I I honestly think has worked fine. It's fine. It's it's really fine. I mean, I, there's there's no there, there's no perfect way to do it. There's no perfect way to do alignment. Uh, there, you know, everything has its advantages and its drawbacks, uh, and I think it, what what we're seeing now is 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 perfectly fine with me. Uh, this is from Chuck James. According to one of the talking heads at NHL Network, the Hurricanes will not have much of a home ice advantage in this series. How much of a difference do you think the atmosphere at PNC makes? That's from Chuck. I don't know who said it, but they're wrong. It, yeah, it'll I think make a difference. Have, yeah. yeah, it's a much much bigger difference. Carolyn Christians, tell us about the playoff scene and post game locker room with all the press. Seems like a mob scene. How fun is that? Any good anecdotes of national press learning about this team on the fly? It is a an actual mob scene, and it's hard to avoid uh, not being a scrum lurker because yeah. there are. <laughs> well, we got caught. Yeah. Thanks, Jane Dan, north of the border. We salute you. There, stupid earpiece for me. <laughs> You are a lurker now, but I think you do it on purpose. Well, no, I don't. I try to avoid it, but they're approximately... You get, like, right to the side, well, and you know if you're on the side, that's where you're going to be a lurker. Well, but, see, that's the best place to be for audio quality, because if you're in, if you're back in the middle and you've got your little recorder sort of pointed at them... Yeah, but I got those long, at them, those long arms so I can get through. But uh, how fun is it? No, it's not fun at all. <laughs> no, I, it's, I'm, it's really I'm, not. And, I'm going to be truthful. I'm going to be real truthful well, about these scrums. Well, and the two visiting rooms we've been are two of the worst visiting rooms for that situation in the league. That Washington visiting room is horrendously small, so you're cramming tons and tons of press in there and trying to just form a semicircle around a player and that doesn't happen and it just doesn't happen and it doesn't work and it's chaos and i'm not calling some people out but there are some camera folks out there who get one foot away from the player back up you can zoom in you have that function on there it's not fun it's thunderdome yeah. uh it There's i pushing I've, and shoving pushing and... shoving people step on your feet uh if you drop something it's gone yeah don't don't reach down to get it. Uh, I am tethered in the first round because to go into these places, my microphone has a cord, and you have all these people, and it's the the elephant stomping on it, so you can only get so far. I thought I dislocated my shoulder once because I went to reach and couldn't go anywhere. Uh, every not everybody has the the greatest hygiene in the world. No, and uh, and those rooms are hot and smelly to begin with. Correct, and for and. You know, I don't have height on my side or arm length, so oh, I have I have this. There's so a reason why I've gotten the nickname I've got. It's it's kind of convenient, Smitty, but at the same time, it's not. Well, I was gonna say if I get boxed out, it's kind of hard to 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 get any audio. So just have to deal with being yeah. a scrum lurker. And then you've got a you're you're jumping on top of the the seats in the in the lockers to try to reach in. Uh, then you get the people who've got the boom, the mics. boom mics, and they'll hit you in the head because they don't I'm, care. I'm going to get one of those. 
you, and I just think walk you around with a book. I think you should. Mic. We both should. <laughs> just overkill. Complete overkill. Yeah, this one from Michael Barnes. How has or will NHL injuries impact the Charlotte Checkers playoff run? Well, um, so far it doesn't seem to have impacted it too much, even though I'm sure Charlotte would like to have Saku Manalainen, Clark Bishop, Patrick Brown. Um, at Greg McKegg, I don't think can go back down. I don't think he was one of the ones on that paper transaction list. No. I believe Hayden Fleury was. So, yep. of course, they'd like to have all of those. That would bolster their team greatly. But it hasn't impacted them yet. Um, I'll be interested to see how Alex Nadelkovic, the recall there, yep. impacts them early here in the second round. But they've got um, Tukarski, uh some veteran presence in net there for the checkers uh, who can handle... Uh, the day-to-day until Nadelkovich gets back in between the pipes. And we will be watching with great anticipation for the Charlotte Checkers. This one comes in from the senior. I don't think I've ever seen a hockey game when the coaches weren't chewing gum. What are the go-to gum flavors for the Canes coaching staff? I can tell you, mint. Yes. Winter mint? Winter mint, I yeah. believe. Extra. Yep. If you want to sponsor us extra... We're all for it. We're all for it. We chew the gum. I have seen peppermint, too. Mm. I'm actually a peppermint fan. Okay. That's fine. But uh, winter mint has been the the go-to for the flavor. Usually something minty. Mark, is the Canes power play? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why that made me laugh. It's just rapid because fire. Because so, no, so the names that we usually read, and you're like, Mark. Mark. Yeah, just Mark. Uh, is the Canes power play the worst in NHL history? Can we really win without it? No, it's not the worst in NHL history. Uh, but the Hurricanes definitely need to get it figured out. Uh, there have been teams, I think the 2011 Boston Bruins, and because I did not research this one, I just saw the question here. I'm pretty sure that 2011 Boston Bruins power play was awful. I mean, I, it might have been like 29th in the league. Yeah. And then I don't think they scored hardly at all in the playoffs. Yeah, you can win without it. You it's can, it's hard. Right. You can win well, without and it. And that's the funny thing is the Hurricanes haven't scored a uh, power play goal in six games, but they're five and one. Yeah. So we'll take that for what it is. So yeah. we answered your own question. Uh, Chris Gavin, I wanted to read this even though we've already answered uh, the question from somebody else. Does the playoff format need to change? If so, how would you change it? P.S. Keep up the great work, fellas. I just wanted to get the cheap pop from me. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Chris Gavin. Caleb. Uh, while I like our chances in the series after stealing two in New York before coming home, can the Canes realistically survive the attrition of these injuries moving forward? I think so. That's what the playoffs are all about. That's exactly you, right. You find you you have to find a way for the next man up mentality, and I think that the Carolina Hurricanes have that mm-hmm. in that locker room. And you look at the call-ups. You look at when guys get thrust into a position. You look at what Warren Fogle has done here in the postseason. And as a reminder, reinforcements could be coming who were already out of the playoffs or have missed playoff games and Andrei Svechnikov and Jordan Martinuk and Mark and Michael Furland. Yeah. So you're going to get an opportunity to get these players coming back in, and it will be a big, big boost for the Carolina Hurricanes. Where it becomes, I think, more of a concern is the deeper you get into the playoffs, obviously, yes. and just the the wear and tear on other guys. And but it's something that every team has to deal with. Yeah. Uh, like if you keep advancing, the other team's going to have injuries too. Mm-hmm. You know, the Islanders have injuries. Johnny Boychuk's out. Looks like Cal Clutterbuck is going to be in a tough situation as he had to be helped off of the ice yesterday after the game. Uh, there's lots to get into. 
Michael, this one comes in. You get to read it from our favorite friend. Oh, it's our friend Carl Cucumbers. Carl Celery. Carl Keekis. Will McElhaney come in as the backup? And Carl play... Keeks. Is it Keeks or Keekis? No, oh, I think it's Keekis. I thought it was Cucumbers. I thought it was a It, it is Cucumbers. Will McElhaney come in as backup and play like the last backup we had step up in the playoffs? Well, Carl Corolla, and you can sponsor us too, by the way. Is he referring to Cam Ward That's in the he's referring 2006 to. Stanley Cup playoffs? It's weird. It would be the reverse. Yeah. It would be the mirror image of because Cam Ward was a rookie mm-hmm. who came in and did that, mm-hmm. and now Curtis McElhaney's a 35-year-old veteran. Mm-hmm. I will answer this question, Carl, 100% yes. Yes. If there's somebody you want coming in for an injured starter, it's Curtis McElhaney. Yes. The Islanders don't have a bad option either in Thomas Grace. I'm kind of wondering if we won't see him in game three. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, William Wells has just asked us how different is Barclays from Nassau in terms of atmosphere. We answered that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you believe Barclays helped the Canes achieve a higher road confidence in order to win? No, I think the Canes' confidence is sky high right now. I don't mm-hmm. think they care where they play. Yeah. Just me. Yep. Okay. Um. Uh, a couple more questions. Uh, yeah, Charlotte covered that. Um, uh, Anya K. The likelihood of H. Wade Minter being the emergency goalie zero. Yeah, zero. Zero. Sorry, Wade. Zero. Sorry. Saw him at the alumni game, and again, I am all for people revolutionizing uh, how you play a position in sports. Francois Allaire and Patrick Waugh revolutionized goaltending from going from stand-up to the butterfly. Dominic Hasek then went more athletic. Uh, Wade Minter is the first ever lie-down goaltender I've ever seen in my life, and I don't think that's a style that would really play well in the playoffs. More goaltending from Blake McCandles. McCandless? I don't see this one. If Curtis continues to play well, how do you think Brenda Moore treats the goaltender situation moving forward? Like they did all season long. It's a good question. I think um, like they did all season long. I think you have to ride the hot hand. So say Curtis McElhaney goes on a little run here with yeah. Peter Mrazek out. If he's playing well, I think you have to roll with him. Now, I guess you do have to consider his workload because he is, as you've mentioned, a 35-year-old veteran. And we saw during the regular season when the Hurricanes had to rely on him more often uh, – He's a little more prone to maybe tweaking something here yeah. or there just because of his age. Yep. Um, so that, that that has to be considered. But at the same time, if he's winning you hockey games, I think you have to uh, stay with him. No, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, we've had 37,000 people go, Furland update, please. I think we did that, right? He's rehabbing here. Mm-hmm. We did that early on in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris James asks us a question. It's about looking ahead. Okay. We're not going to answer that question because we don't look oh. ahead. It's the playoffs. Where are we looking ahead We're to? We're looking ahead to game three. He wanted us to look ahead to the big look ahead. The next round or then, the r- then, one and, after that? And then the one in both. Ooh. Well, we can theoretic- no, theoreticize. It's, all right, man. If you want to go. I don't have any problem doing that. Okay, here we go. I need to look ahead. But when the Canes advanced to the third round, at that point, they would have home ice advantage over Columbus. Correct. But Columbus would have to advance over Boston. Correct. Also, if they were able to make it to the Stanley Cup, they have home ice over everyone left but the Sharks. 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's yes. right. Because they'd have home ice over Dallas. Mm-hmm. They'd have... Over Colorado. Home ice over Colorado. Would they have it over St. Louis? Let me check quickly. Ooh. Give me a second. Mm. Because that comes down to points, right? And I believe the Blues, because the season series was well, the, split. The Blues finished in a top three spot in the division. So does that take preference? Is it that or is it points? Because they both had 99 points. But so did the Sharks. 42 wins in regulation. Sharks had 101 points. 42 wins. Canes had more wins in regulation. So they'd have it over the Blues. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah, because I believe it goes to points. I don't believe it goes to uh, division finish at that point. Yeah. Could be wrong. But that's something I, I, to consider. No, Chris. I no. I think Chris is one hundred percent right on that. The Sharks, the Sharks, and the Bruins are the only teams that would have home ice advantage over the Hurricanes right now. Crazy, so, it is, and and that's why the playoffs are are amazing. Crazy, <laughs> absolutely. Um, if this from James Lakey, Ooh. if a Canes fan wanted to catch a road game, are there any specific cities or arenas that you would or would not recommend? I would not not recommend any arena i think if you want to go catch a road game i think it's cool to experience every arena so i I, i'm not gonna not recommend an arena because i it would be a cool project if you went out and visited all 31 or in a few years all 32 yeah but there are some cream of the crop and it's there are there are ones that i would say you don't have to run out to get to Philadelphia. Just saying. Bye bye, all of our Philadelphia listeners. Oh, I, I, I don't have an issue with the city uh, at all. Food's well, really good. The, that's the other but interesting thing. The is... Wells Fargo Center is first off. I like what Philly did because all three of their arenas, stadiums, uh, and fields are right next to each other, but they are away from downtown. Mm-hmm. And Wells Fargo Center. Needs an update. Yes. And it is getting one this offseason. Yeah, well, good. Some facelifts. Good. Um, And that's the other interesting part about this question is there are some cities that are really good, like Philadelphia. Yeah, but the barn isn't isn't the best place to go watch it. Montreal's a good one where the city's good and the barn is good. If we're going to do, I think you and I have gone down this road, we'll do it again. But, like, for me, one, two, three, Montreal, Nashville, Vegas. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Good cities to go to. And good arenas to watch the game in, mm-hmm. especially as a fan. Totally agree. So, I think we have maybe in the off season we'll do a we'll do a ranking like you and I'll do. Ooh, really, just sit down and break it. We'll all do down. we'll do one through thirty, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we won't do uh, we won't put PNC in here because clearly it's the we're home biased. Ice and we're, yeah, but yeah. it's it's home ice. We'll we'll just do for the road because that's what people are asking for. And Smitty, we'll do we'll make this extensive where Bill Berniston will not tune in. We will add in the food and slash other things to do in that city as a big factor for yeah. it. Because you're going to spend more than a day there, I would imagine. Yeah. Here's one from Zach Bradshaw with the playoffs. Well, I was hoping it was Zach Brown. We're seeing much more pregame for each arena. Besides Vegas, are there any teams that crush pregame? Also, any better anthem singers than Adam Lee Decker? I haven't heard any. Well, if you ask Philadelphia, no, heart. No, I am not doing this. <laughs> Apparently. I'm not doing wait. this. I, just, I have to say it because folks might not know. They made up a word for this. Anthemist? Anthemist. That's a word. Where? Who? In the dictionary. 
Anthemist. According to Philadelphia, Lauren Hart, their anthem singer, is the number one ranked anthemist in the NHL. Don't know what poll that was from. She's very good. Don't get me wrong. She's very good. But, uh, you know, I don't know. No, Perhaps incorrect. No. Autocorrect goes right to Well, anthem. autocorrect. It's... You can't rely on autocorrect to be your dictionary. Again, you can't rely on the... Oh. She does a magnificent job. She has a glorious voice. Yep. But folks... Look, when you search Anthemist... Oh. What comes up? Lauren Hart. Yes, one that's they, they made up the word for her. No. I think uh, I think it's a word. It's a Truthiness person. is a word. It's a person who Thank you, Stephen Colbert. An anthem. Stephen Colbert, you can sponsor this podcast. Too. I, you uh, sponsored a hockey team. Sponsor a hockey podcast. We are above your home state of South Carolina. I am... Um, I really like Adam Lee Decker's rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. I really do too. I enjoy it. As uh, for other arenas that crush pregame, yes, obviously Vegas. Unfortunately, they're n- no longer Montreal. And, they're no longer. Yep, Montreal, Montreal playoff mm. hockey. They crush it. They crush it. I thought Capital One Arena did a pretty decent job with pregame stuff. They okay. had the little Boston light up does a sticks. good job. Yeah. From 09, from what I remember, Boston did a really good I job. I would have liked to see Nassau pregame. Yeah. Islanders pregame is, is okay. The Hurricanes uh, uh, do a fantastic job here. I'm very biased with that. The people who work at Kane's Vision, if you knew the amount of hours that this staff puts in and the amount of people that they have, which is not a lot, mm-hmm. uh, to give you a great show. And I know there's always something out there, but – uh, that's amazing. I Nashville does a good pregame. Oh yeah, Na- yeah and, Nashville you know, does. And when you come to playoff time, when you got Carrie Underwood and Garth Brooks and the Dixie you know, Chicks singing the national anthem, yeah, they did right a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, they sang Kenny Chesney and mm-hmm. Gavin DeGraw. Yep. eating it on the ice because he forgets to stay on the <laughs> on the rug. There's a rug there for a reason, Gavin. Uh, maybe one more. Matthew Clark, who has been the most surprising player for the Canes so far and who has been the least surprising? I think most surprising, and this goes to another question um, from... This is a good way to end this, uh, Canes. Yeah, too. Uh, this goes to another question from Taylor Griggs, who says Warren Fogle equals the Canes playoff MVP. The most surprising player to me, I think, has been Warren Fogle, yep. just because he had that tremendous start to the season, but... You really didn't see that a whole lot for the rest of the season until down yep. the stretch there. But his ability to rise to the occasion in the playoffs and score some big goals yep. has been very impressive. I mean, it's going to be hard to find uh, a goal as big as the one that he scored 17 seconds into the third period in Game 2 mm-hmm. at Barclays. Uh, and he's leading all rookies in points in the postseason right now. He's leading the Canes in goals in the postseason. Five. With five. Impressive. So that, to me, is surprising, but in a good way. In yeah. In a very good way. Yeah, it's it's a good surprise. Least surprising is Jacob Slavin being mm-hmm. a horse. Yeah, that's I, a It one. might be surprising to people that he has 10 assists. Yeah. But the offense was coming. The offense was coming there for him. Uh, I, I would have said Peter Morazic's performance before the injury as well. I think you could uh, also tell us in Jordan Stahl oh, as well. I mean, yeah. You know, it, that's that's a perfect example of how much we take Jordan Stahl for granted. Exactly. Perfect. Can I can I rescind my answer? 
Not well. Jacob Slavin's a good one. I know. Jordan Stahl. Yeah. Not surprised at all that Jordan Stahl is this guy in the playoffs. Yep. Not surprised at all. It's what he's built for. He's built for the playoffs, and he's finally back in it after, uh, what, eight seasons? Yes. Or eight years yes. of not being in it? So yes. He's waited a long time for this. By the way, we were on the road for, what, seven days? Six and a half, yeah. yeah. Felt like that? Yep. So did you get to go home? Yep. Say hi to anybody? Um, and my dog. Oh, good. I, I went home and I said hi to... Um, and, and the cat. Yeah. Okay. Good to be home. I'm glad we're now home for uh, a bit. Yeah, five days. At least. Maybe longer. Maybe longer, hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but either way, um, uh, what's the schedule look like from here on out? Practice day on Tuesday, then game number three on Wednesday. Practice day on Thursday. For now. Then game number four on Friday. Mm-hmm. And then game number five. If necessary. If necessary. On Sunday. Sunday. Oh, so we'll be able to come back with episode 88 of Gainscast next Monday. And then. Right on schedule. Game six and seven are back to back. Oh, yes. Tuesday and Wednesday. Yes. Hopefully that is not necessary. I also. I think everybody can agree there. Yes. Even the teams would agree with that. Even the teams. The Islanders are going to have to win four straight if that's the case. But. I don't think anybody wants to be playing six and seven in the Stanley Cup playoffs back-to-back. Agreed, 100%. Any good food stories? Nope. Because it's been a while for us. Nothing good? Nothing that we need to get into now. Okay. We can dive into it later in the postseason when there's – or, excuse me, in the offseason when there's less to talk about. I was just going to say I went to Chelsea Market, Mm -hmm. which is New York's version of the Reading Terminal in Philadelphia, and great food. But it reminds me that people just don't know how to handle lines anymore. Like, it just becomes a free-for-all. Yeah, Thunderdome. sounds about right. So, that's all. Okay. Sorry. Oh, bye, Bill Berniston. Bye, Billy. It's done. <laughs> huh. It's been fun. It has been fun. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Sorry again for... Let me ask you. How, okay. have you. how have you enjoyed the playoffs? This is your first time covering the playoffs, Michael Smith. It's been a blast. And it's been a blur at the same time. It is. It feels like it's been a year since we, uh, this team last played a regular season game. Yeah, uh, that's what the playoffs are. Cut like that regular season finale in Philadelphia. Legitimately feels like it was in 2018, <laughs> but it wasn't. It was three weeks ago, ish, closer to four probably now. Um, Twenty-two days. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a blast. We're twenty three days now, right? Yeah, it's the twenty eighth, twenty ninth of April. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, again, don't know what day it is. It's either no, you don't. In the playoffs, it's a game day or it's not. Yep. And for now, we have two knots, which is great oh. because uh, great for everybody, for us, for the teams. Yes. Yes. Everybody just a chance to catch their breath. Yes. Refocus. Reset. Yes. yes. And the Hurricanes need that after. A grueling first round, a quick turnaround to the second round, yes. and now a chance to breathe. Absolutely. Or at least exhale. That, yeah. <laughs> exhale <laughs> and begin the inhale, and then you hit the ground running again. Okay. Good it's been fun. Hopefully it uh, continues for another couple months. Yeah. And for me to be doing what I'm doing here in the second round and still be a part of this, say it's amazing. Love it. Absolutely love it. 
there's nothing we'd I mean, look, I am glad we're still talking Hurricane Taki in late April slash soon to be early May. That's a treat. It's a treat that we're not sitting here discussing you know draft prospects. Draft lottery, yeah. Prospects that we've, you know, read a couple paragraphs on on the hockey news or whatever. Playoff games in Charlotte. Yep. Though playoff games are very fun in Charlotte. If they you have are. a chance to go to, to go Bojangles, to what Bojangles Coliseum, yeah. go. Great time put on by the Checkers, and it's a really good team. But selfishly, glad that we're still talking Hurricanes hockey. And uh, we will be next week on Monday. Yep. For sure. For sure. For sure. There will still be more games to be played. There will still be more games, one way or the other. Correct. There will still be more games. I'm, I'm hoping. I don't know what the one way is in your mind. I'm hoping for that way. That's the way yeah. I think you and exactly. I agree that. Uh, and uh, to all of you out there who have said very nice things about my play-by-play call, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. Salut. Thank you, my friend. Couldn't do it without the webs, Michael Smith, that's for sure. And TVs slash radios. <laughs> TVs and radios. TVs and radios? Yeah. Thank you. All mediums. And that's it. <laughs> See, it's the S's today. I don't know <laughs> what it is. We're also exhausted. <laughs> yeah. That has an S in it. That's got a big part. Exalted. <laughs> For the webs, Michael Smith. The TVs and radios, Mike Maniscalco. We will talk to you next Monday. Adios. Bye-bye. Thank you.